project management. A lot of the value it brings is often referred to as invisible work. You know, when things are going well, nobody notices. But invisible work can also mean invisible value. Clients don't want to pay for your time. Your teammates aren't sure what you do all day. Your leadership team isn't even sure if they really need a PMO at all. If you've ever struggled to prove your value as a digital PM, keep listening. We're going to be lifting the lid on how client-facing PMs can demonstrate indisputable business value beyond the invisible work of making sure the project is running smoothly. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Galen Lowe with the Digital Project Manager. We are a community of digital professionals on a mission to help each other get skilled, get confident, and get connected so that we can lead our project with purpose and impact. If you want to hear more about that, head over to thedigitalprojectmanager.com. Hey everyone, thanks for hanging out with us on the DPM Podcast. My guest today is a digital delivery leader who is particularly passionate about building strong PM teams within a client services setting. She has a strong track record of fostering high-performing teams at organizations like The Nerdery, Wonderman Thompson, and AIM Consulting. And today she's the VP of Delivery Management at Hero Digital, where she's looking to continue her winning streak of building up teams of high-performing digital PMs. Outside of a professional setting, she is a mother and chauffeur to two youngins, an avid golfer, and an expert consumer of fine or boxed wine. Folks, please welcome Pam Bukowski. Hello, Pam. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Um, first of all, I just want to say congratulations on the new role. Thank you. Are, Thanks. are you able to talk a little bit about it? I can talk a little bit about it. I don't start officially until next week, so I can absolutely talk about it, but what I say might be wrong. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> no, yeah, I'm starting at Hero Digital next week. So I, uh, I spent years and years on agency side and then um, moved over to consulting for a little bit at AIM. Uh, and I'm, I'm going back to agency land. So uh, yeah, I start at Hero next week. Um, and I'll be uh, leading the delivery management or project management team for the west side of the country. That's awesome. That's exciting. Yeah. And isn't it funny how agency always slips you back? <laughs> I know. I always, know. You, you think you're free, and then back we go. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And how about life outside of work? What's, uh, what's something that's been interesting or inspiring you lately? Yeah, so I'm currently in my, uh, my, my work hiatus week uh, in between yeah. gigs. So I've got the week off, nice. spending a lot of time at the pool, nice. um, drinking my boxed wine on my patio. <laughs> uh, no, we actually, uh, my husband and I just got back from Sonoma. So my boxes are retired for the time being while I drink my Napa Valley wine. But <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. All right. So let's get into it. Let's talk about some of your expectations that you have of the senior members of your team when it comes to delivering meaningful and highly visible value for your clients. But to start, I wondered if maybe you can just tell us a bit about the professional version of you. Like, how long have you been leading teams of digital PMs? Yeah. Yeah, so I, I started as a PM myself. Um, I actually spent a few years uh, in traditional like campaign advertising agencies. Uh, where I played every role right out of college. I was on the account side, I was in public relations, I was a media buyer, um, I, I did everything. And um, I ended up clicking the most with uh, like old school advertising folks out there. Uh, I clicked the most when I was a traffic manager. 
but I wanted more control over the work instead of just kind of tracking everything along and making sure that we were hitting all of our deadlines. Like I wanted to be more involved in the work. So that's how I found my way into project management. Um, yeah. And so my first project management job was uh, at the nerdery. And I, yeah, so I started as a, a PM there um, and then quickly moved into a senior. And then uh, shortly after I was a, what we call the team lead. So I had um, five or six project managers uh, on my team. Um, and that was in 2014 when I started leading teams of PMs. Um, and from there, I kind of, again, progressed into director roles and now into VP roles and leading larger teams of PMs. So, uh yeah, I when I when I start at Hero next week, I believe my team is something like twenty five or thirty. Um, wow! And yeah, so it's it's gonna it's good. I'm excited. I'm excited for you. What a cool arc! Yeah. And yeah, tell me what, what kind of what kinds of projects have your teams in the past managed? Yeah, everything from twenty thousand dollar like Facebook campaigns back in the day, right? Um, <laughs> to uh, multi-million dollar uh, products. So um, a lot of, and, and everything in between. Um, typically the teams I've led in the past, our sweet spot has been around the million dollar mark uh, mm -hmm. for projects. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll fill, fill the cracks in between work with $50,000 things. Uh, and then I've had teams who've, um, teams of program managers and project managers all working on $10 million engagements. So, wow. um, yeah, we've kind of run the gamut on everything. And then um, all of my teams I've ever led, we like to say that we're tech agnostic. So mm -hmm. uh, my teams don't specialize in mobile or specialize in uh, .NET, right? Um, we, uh, we can take on anything. Wow. Bold. And Bold. <laughs> bold indeed. And... I, I know the answer to this question, sort of, at least I've, I've got a sense, but just for our listeners, how, how would you describe your leadership style as a leader of project managers? Uh, okay, so I'm stealing this from you because I didn't know how to answer this question before. And then when we did an AMA last fall, uh, you said that you would talk to people who were previously on my team and they said that I was tough but fair. And I feel like that's true. Um, so I'm stealing that back. Uh, <laughs> tough, but, tough but fair. <laughs> there you go. A tough but fair is, 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 is not a bad MO when you need to control multi-million dollar projects or teams right. of people controlling multi-million dollar projects for sure. Uh, no, I like to... Um, I, I like to lead my teams in the way that I want them to lead our clients, right? Um, and lead their teams of developers and designers and everybody. Um, no surprises. Um, see what's coming. Um, clear expectations. Uh, and straightforward and honest. Um, if there's something that they need to improve upon, let's talk about it. But there shouldn't be any surprises uh, in what I expect of them to be doing. So... Um, clarity up front, uh, and then partnership through the end. There you go. I love that. Yeah. And from the people I've talked to, it all comes from a place of love, and this is very this like a very human approach. Uh, it's like a good toughness <laughs> from uh, from a place of caring, I guess. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, tough love. Yes. There you go. Tough love. Tough love indeed. <laughs> Mama bear comes out. And, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, obviously there are, there are always going to be tough conversations, um, mm -hmm. but it's, I, I don't ever want it to come from a place of discipline. I want it to come from a place of growth, right? 
Um, let's talk about the things that we should be doing differently. Um, tell me what kind of support you need to improve upon those things. And uh, let's do it together so that you can be better, faster, stronger. I love that. Very cool. All right. So let's give folks their bearings. Um, and just to level set for our listeners, like Pam and I, we've been pulling on this thread about the value that a digital PM delivers and how managing the iron triangle, you know, scope, timeline, and budget, that's the core of a project manager's role. But also because of that, it's also the bare minimum of doing the job. It's not necessarily the thing that separates a great project manager from the rest of the pack, especially in the eyes of a client. Uh, so in other words, for all of our agonizing about scope and timeline and budget, that's often the invisible work or the baseline expectation rather than what our clients and stakeholders appreciate and value about our role. Uh, so as someone who has been successful at building up teams of delivery specialists that deliver like true, palpable, tangible value in the eyes of any client, I thought I'd ask you straight up, uh, what in your mind is the most important quality for a digital project manager on your team to bring to the table for your accounts? Oh, there's so many things. Um, no, like you said, uh, the iron triangle, triangle is just, it's table stakes now. Um, and it's not enough to deliver a project on time, on scope, and on budget. What if it's the wrong thing for their business? What if their needs have changed, right? What if their customer base has evolved? Um, over the last nine months that you've been building this gigantic product, right? Um, and so being able to understand the client's business uh, and being an advocate for both your agency or your team and the client, uh, I view our team as kind of the middleman. Um, we're the bridge between the client and our team actually producing the work. Um, that means that we have to understand both sides. We have to speak both languages. We have to understand both priorities. We have to understand what's best for both teams, right? So being able to take a step back and saying, okay, I'm gonna take a look at the entire lay of the land here and figure out where we're gonna go in the best interest of everybody. Um, that, that kind of uh, instinct is, I, I think, really important. Um, I think we've talked about this before too, that uh, when, when I'm hiring PMs, um, I asked just a few questions about uh, normal timeline, scope, budget, right? Like, to tell me how you start a project plan. What does your mm -hmm. discovery process look like, right? Like the normal, show me you can do your job. Uh, and then I move into scenario questions uh, so that I can understand how they do in times of crisis, um, what they do when they're faced with tough decisions, how they partner with clients when maybe uh, there isn't a really strong relationship there or something has happened to uh, diminish a relationship with a client. How do they build it back? Um, and I'm, I'm really looking for the things that I can't teach, right? Because I can teach anyone to build stronger project plans. I can teach anyone to reconcile a budget. Um, I can't teach people, and I've, I've said this a thousand times in my life, I can't teach people to run towards the fire when they smell smoke. Um, <laughs> And uh, so I need teams of people where, like, we, we always say the project managers wear many hats, right? Mm -hmm. I need one of those hats to be a firefighter. Um, and uh, so that's, that's one of the things that I, I think everybody needs to have is just that, that drive to solve the problem, to um, be there in the thick of it, uh, to, like, get your hands dirty. Um, you're going to understand the work better. You're going to understand, like, build client relationships better. Your teams are going to trust you more if you're in it with them. Um, 
I don't, uh, frankly, I don't want a team of people who kind of sit on the sidelines and mm-hmm. uh, update Smartsheet. That's, that's only part of our job. Uh, we, need, we need to do a lot more. I like that framing of not just the bridge, which I 100% agree with, um, but also that willingness to run towards the fire. And like in my mind, not necessarily just like building engulfed with flames or entire forests on fire, but like that, even just that willingness to be that bridge, to run towards, you know, like as project managers, we, especially on in a client services setting, we're going to be dealing with a lot of different types of projects and a lot of different types of clients. Um, And I've seen a lot of folks who are just kind of a bit hesitant to like try and dive into the business side of things. Yeah. But in order to be that bridge, you really do need to do that. You need to take that plunge and run towards your client's yes. business and their business goals and understand their business strategy and wrap your head around that. And yeah, it's extra work and yeah, it's not, you know, whatever, uh, you know, the first page of the pinbox or anything like that. But right. it's things that you need to to do to deliver that value. And to your point earlier, like that instinct of knowing, are we still doing the right thing for the client? Yes. Um, and as I, you know, as someone who now has been on client side, like that is what I value the most. Like, and I, I could, I, it's, it's palpable for me. I can see that. Yeah. That's fine. Your status update is fine. Smartsheet is fine. Thank you. I do need to know this. I do want it to be, you know, under control, but I also want to know that you have my back, that you're yes. vouching for me, that you're an advocate for me and that you're being honest and trans- transparent with me throughout a project so that we're making good decisions. Well, and that you understand why we're doing this. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You understand why I'm spending millions of dollars to create this product. Uh, you understand the impact that it's having on my business. You understand what's at stake. You give a crap, um, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, uh, this isn't to us, it's, it's just a project. It's one of many projects that we're gonna run. Mm-hmm. Um, but to a lot of our clients, this is, this is a career-defining moment. Mm-hmm. Um, this is like their job might be on the line, uh, and they need their partner, us, to care about that. And I think that, that career-defining is a really good way of looking at it um, to build that empathy of what your client is actually feeling and going through. Yes, they yeah. spent a lot of money, uh, and also like there's politics on their side that you kind of need to like at least be aware of like I don't think you know you don't need to you know get in there and you know be part of the Game of Thrones but as your partner or as their partner rather um, you do need to kind of understand what they're up against like what's you know like what is the like interdepartmental dynamic or like how is this like where does this sit in the big strategic plan like is this the top of it because it's going to get a lot of eyes um, and you need to kind of help your clients frankly look good really right? yeah um, yeah it's, it's it's a bit of that uh in terms of you know the way you communicate um and just like the the actions that you take yeah we um i had a project once uh on my team it, I, I wasn't leading it one of my team members was but um we were the project started very budget focused right mm-hmm. what we would call budget backwards uh, and every dollar mattered and uh we wanted to make sure that we were using all of the funds and all of the budget uh, as wisely as possible. And at some point over the project, priorities changed. But we weren't asking the questions uh, to make sure that budget was still number one. We weren't talking to them about um, what was the most important to them along the way, right? We started the project saying, okay, what's, what, what's the most important thing to you? What does success look like, right? right. Uh, but then we never revisited it. Hmm. And at some point along the way, and we didn't know, uh, our client had been given a timeline mandate. 
that it needed and their job was on the line and we weren't asking the questions and this is uncomfortable for a client to come to you and say i will lose my job if we don't launch by october 30th right um and so they were kind of being subtle and they weren't being very direct about really focusing on timeline now uh and we we kept saying we need two more weeks we need two more weeks because it's going to save you money um and finally it kind of came to a head where we said oh hold on what's going on right Mm -hmm. um you're you're telling us to get it done quickly we're trying to use your budget wisely what's happening uh and he said oh we haven't talked about this i i have all i have all this budget that's just been unlocked i can pay whatever we need but we have to launch it by october 30th um and we weren't asking the right questions uh, we weren't making sure that what we were focused on and what our top priority was, was actually delivering value to the client. Mm-hmm. Um, and that happens all the time. Uh, and for, for that client, um, they, they could have lost their job. And we, to us, it was just another project that was right. going two weeks over, over timeline, right? Um, but the, the stakes were higher for them and we need to, we need to be locked in on that. I think that's a really good point, and it kind of takes me to my next question, which is, you know, um, in terms of, like, behaviors and things that uh, folks on your team are doing on a day-to-day basis, like, what do you expect them to be doing? Like, what kinds of things should they be making happen? What kind of conversations should be should they be having to, like, tease out some of this information? Um, and what should they be sort of preventing um, in terms of, like, just the way they conduct themselves and these interactions that are that sort of layer above and beyond you know, managing the iron triangle and making sure the yeah. team is like doing what they ought to do. Yeah. Um, every PM has a different spidey sense. Uh, and we all need to figure out what it is, right? Um, so every project manager has different ways and different, um, like different triggers, if you will, for them to realize that something is off mm-hmm. or that they need to do something different. Um, and so for me, I watch body language. I, um, I've like tactically, I look at Jira and if something has stayed in the same column for multiple days, I dig in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and then I, I watch people's tone, right? You have to know your team well enough to understand when their body language is telling you something, when they've shifted their tone, if they're always positive and now they're saying it's fine. It's, it's not fine, right? That's what I tell my husband. Um, that when I say it's fine to him, it's not fine. Uh, and our team's in the same way. Um, but we have to know our teams well enough to understand when they need help, uh, when you have to like pull them aside. They might be embarrassed to talk about it and stand up. Uh, mm-hmm. They might feel like they're failing. They might feel like they don't have an advocate. Uh, and it's our job to make them feel comfortable um, and put them in a situation where they can open up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we need to be their advocates, their leaders, their friends, their therapists, their uh, everything. Um, and so understanding which hats to put on, every PM needs to figure that out for themselves. Um, and so I spend a lot of time with my teams helping them figure out what their spidey sense is. I really like that sort of nonverbal, but then also nonverbal JIRA, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. Like, I mean, I, I'll, I'll say it here. again for the people in the back. If something stays in in progress for four <laughs> days, something is wrong. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh. And then, I mean, does that extend to like clients as well? Like, are yeah. you kind of, is your team at a point where they're reading the nonverbal cues from their points of contact, from their stakeholders as well, and trying to sort of piece it together from the other side? Yeah. Yep. Um, one of 
my favorite trainings that I've ever done with my team was conflict resolution training. Um, oh. Understanding when conflict arises, how to lead people through that. Um, and because clients tend to be a little bit more vocal when something's going wrong, right? right. More than your lead developer. Um, and so when that happens, how do you do de-escalate? How do you find the path forward? How do you wrangle everybody together and rally the troops uh, and then keep going? Um, and so that's something that I always spend a lot of time on with my teams is in, in times of conflict, how do you stay the glue? Um, and then we also, uh, this is something we started doing at Wonderman Thompson. Um, I had all of my... Um, my PMs go through, uh, we all did our Enneagram tests. Are you familiar with Enneagrams? Sort of, but Okay, tell. so tell it's, <laughs> yeah, so it's uh, it's like StrengthsFinder or mm -hmm. um, any of those, right? But it's focused on relationships and how you communicate, how you interact with other Enneagram types. Um, so there are nine types of Enneagrams, but then you can wing off into one of the other numbers, right? Um, and so we did some trainings. Uh, actually, one of my um, program managers kind of led this uh, discussion and facilitated this on um, helping everybody understand what our Enneagram types are mm -hmm. and then how to uh, kind of quickly assess what other people might be so that you can understand how if, if I, so I'm a three, which is the achiever, shocking. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> So we tend to not have feelings. Um, threes are like, I just need to get this done. Um, and uh, but if if one of my team members uh, is another, like where that might be off-putting, uh, mm. that might be uh, that might be intimidating. Um, I need to know that. So we went through some training specifically for our team members, like our development teams and our design teams, and then our clients on how to assess what other people might be, so that we understand how they might. Uh, how they might want to interact with us, um, okay. things that we might do that could put them on defense um, so that we can change and uh, be a better partner. I'm just picturing you walking into a room or walking into a virtual room yeah. going like two, nine, eight, three, right. three, nine. Okay, let's go. Right. I, and when you give an achiever a challenge like that to assess, <laughs> like we rise to that mm -hmm. challenge. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, no, it's uh, it, it can backfire, but it helped a lot because it also just gave us it, it like it really let us flex our empathy muscles, um, and understand that uh, not everybody cares about the same stuff that we mm -hmm. care about, and um, building relationships is not as easy as saying I like golf. Do you like golf? Right? right? Like that's <laughs> uh, that's that's not what it means. And would you say that relationship building, like whether you're a one or a nine? The person you bring onto your team is someone who's going to run towards the fire, but also who's going to put in the effort to build a relationship. And that might mean changing their behavior a little bit so that they're not behaving yeah. like a three all the time. Sometimes they can flex and, you know, put on the yeah. number eight hat. I'm, I'm right. just calling out numbers right now because I don't know. That's fine. <laughs> so. No, you're, you're like a pro. Um, <laughs> no, but at a minimum, understanding what other people need. Right. Um, and it's, it's less about changing ourselves and more about serving others, right? Um, if I really need this person to do something, understanding how to communicate that in a way that they're going to understand, uh, in a way that they're not going to feel defensive, um, that they're going to be motivated to do it faster uh, or whatever you need. Um, yeah. 
So I like that a lot better than some of my traditional framing, which is like around social engineering. I, I'm always mm -hmm. like, project management is kind of social engineering because you kind of need to manage without the authority. You're managing through influence. Yeah. You know, you are uh, taking into account people's behaviors to kind of get your way and steer the project, you know, in the direction yeah. that you feel it needs to go. But really, it's not as much social engineering as it is just having really good people skills, like having yes. the wherewithal to, you know, think critically about how we conduct ourselves and the communications that we're having to make things yeah. go well. <laughs> well, and it's about building strong relationships, right? A lot of social engineering is... Um, feels a little bit manipulative, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, like I'm, I'm going to do these things so that I can get what I want. Yeah. Uh, and that, I mean, that's our job, truly. <laughs> um, but uh, especially when you're working with um, long-term clients, when you're working with mm -hmm. uh, long-term teams of developers, right? Uh, you need to have strong foundations. Um, and social engineering doesn't build a really strong relationship. Uh, it... It's it has like, its, its short-term goals. Yeah, micro and tactical. Yeah. But I think you, yeah. you touched on something really interesting, which I think is very applicable, or at least applicable to some folks in a client services setting. So in an agency or a consultancy, you know, you're thinking of whatever. Let's come back to the iron triangle, right? So scope, yeah. timeline, budget for a project. But really, what you're managing is actually more than a project. You're managing a longer-term relationship. Maybe mm -hmm. you're not the project manager on every project for that account, but like there is this sort of like take a step back, a bigger picture to manage. Um, and I kind of like, I don't know, I guess in a way, it takes me to this next question, which is like this notion of like, is this part of managing a project or is this over and above managing a project? I don't know, that's probably clear as mud, but <laughs> like, in other words, you know, is it part of managing the iron triangle? You're, you're gonna hit scope, timeline, and budget by practicing these behaviors. Or is it sort of an elevation of project management in terms of relationship management? Yeah, no, I, uh, I think that it is, depending on where you are in your project management career, mm -hmm. uh, that, right? So if you're an associate PM, it's above and beyond. Um, but for my program managers, for my senior PMs, for my director level, uh, like program directors, um, th this to me is part of the job. Um, relationship management, uh, value-driven mm -hmm. delivery. Um, this, is, uh, this is a part of the job. Um, maybe not for my associates and my, my standard like PMs. Um, learn, learn to manage the triangle first, and mm -hmm. then we'll work, work into the rest of it. Uh, but when you're at the point in your career where you're managing multi-million dollar projects, um, I, I do think that this is just kind of table stakes. Mm -hmm. you, you actually raised something oh. in our earlier conversation. So one of the things that you had mentioned in one of our previous conversations was this notion of like leading a client through a project. Um, and we're talking about, yes, like maybe as an associate PM, you're just minding the iron triangle, the triple constraint, that's fine. Um, but then when you're leading a large program, a large project, like that is really what your clients are expecting of you. They're looking for a partner, but also a leader in a way, someone who's going to make them feel comfortable, tell them what they need to know, um, help make decisions, and really kind of hold their hand through it. And that is something worth paying for 
beyond yes. I'm just going to make sure that people do what they're supposed to be doing. Nobody really wants to pay for that. That kind of that's kind of like other people should do their jobs. Um, but when you get to a certain level, it's like no, you are actually like the person leading the charge, um, the person that is the trusted individual yeah. for that client. Yeah, it's uh, so in agency land or in a client service setting. Clients are coming to us because they either don't have the expertise to do it themselves, they don't have the capacity to do it themselves, or they just don't want to do it themselves. In any of those situations, they're looking for someone else to be the expert, uh, somebody else to lead them through it, make the right calls for them. Uh, and so really, again, understanding their priorities, understanding what's at stake, understanding why they're doing this is going to allow us to do that, right? So. Um, I, I always tell my PMs, for example, when we always talk about like, don't just state the problem, right? Give them a solution as well. Mm -hmm. um, and we always want the solution to be options, right? We can either do this or we can do this. Um, I have always told my teams, you should also have a POV on which one you would do. Right. Uh, which one they should do, right? We can either do this one and it'll cost this much. This one and your timeline looks like this. Uh, I think we should do this one because of these reasons. Um, still let the client make the decision. Uh, but they, again, they came to us because they either can't or don't want to do it themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, take that pressure off. Don't just give them all of the, the tough decisions to make. Right. Don't give right. them the hard parts of the job, right? Um, yeah. Make it easier for them. Tell them what they should do. Uh, I have very rarely had a client say, I'm not going to do that thing that you think that I should do. I'm going to do this <laughs> other thing. Um, that, that never happens. They trust us. Mm -hmm. Uh, so have a perspective and have a reason for why you're recommending a certain path. Mm -hmm. um, and it shouldn't be because it'll save this much money because my team told me to. Right. Uh, right. It should be because based on a conversation that we had three months ago about this thing that your customers are asking for, I think this is the best solution for them. Right. Know their business. Um, get in their heads. A lot of times uh, it, on the agency side, again, because they don't have the capacity or they don't want to or they don't have the expertise, the role that we're missing in large-scale development is a product owner mm -hmm. uh, in a lot of cases, right? We sometimes have something that might resemble a product manager um, on the, the business side of the client. Uh, we're a lot of times lacking a product owner, and so the client will give you a stakeholder, right? Right. Um, and they'll say, this is your person, they're your product owner, but they've never done it before most of the time. And they don't know what's actually expected of them. Mm -hmm. uh, so I like to have my teams uh, think of themselves as product owner, project managers. Um, understand why we're doing things, be able to prioritize, understand the value, right? Mm -hmm. um, we're, it's, it's kind of like this product owner, product manager role um, is hard sometimes because you have to simul simultaneously track velocity and value, right? Right. You have to weigh them against each other and then decide what's more important um, and then bring it to the client and say, I know that this is going to take three times longer, but I promise you it's a good idea. Um, and so I like to have some of my team members go through product owner training, get their okay. CSPOs, um, like really understand what that role means, because uh, that's really where you start driving value for your clients. And that's a necessary role, especially in large scale development, having somebody who is the advocate for the product, mm -hmm. not for the not for the Iron Triangle, not for the development team, not for the business, but the product. Um, 
and somebody looking out for the integrity of what we're building. Uh, that's I, I believe that falls on my team's job or on my team's shoulders. I love that framing. And I'm also thinking, because I was going to ask, like, in an agency setting, you know, and talk to me about it, like a uh, Wonderman Thompson, like, does this mindset sort of start to collide with like the account team? But I think you actually yep. just teased it out there, which is that it's the product and the product value. The account team can think about the overall sort of uh, like business strategy of which maybe this product is a piece. Um, yes. But I don't know. Have you have, have anyone on your team ever kind of run into like uh, issues where the account team feels like they're stepping on their toes? I mean, all the time. Uh, and no, but that relationship with the account team, uh, the, the project management and the client service team need to be in lockstep, uh, even more so, I think, than the project management and the development team. Um, but everybody needs to understand their role because there's so much crossover. Uh, mm-hmm. And so um, I was actually just talking to a couple of people at Hero about this, uh, about um, some of the things that I've done in the past to help provide clarity, um, like reduce defensiveness, uh, make sure that everybody understands that their role is valuable and that my team isn't trying to like stomp on anyone's toes. Um, we're trying to make sure that everything is covered, right? And so um, I like to do things like stakeholder mapping with our client service team, right? Uh, these are the, the day-to-day stakeholders and I'm going to own those relationships. You own this level and above, right? And let's meet once a week so that we can talk about the conversations we're having. We make sure that we're always in lockstep. We we're synced up. Um, but this is my relationship. These are your relationships. And then everything is covered. Um, or uh, we also do, um, I, I'm a huge fan of client service uh, project management gray sheets. Um, do tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me more. <laughs> so there are, I mean, even status reports, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's no, no argument that project management should be creating the status report. Uh, but depending on your team, your client, your agency, who delivers it? Is it project management? Is it the client service team sitting down and walking through the program status with the client? Um, and so there are a lot of things like that where it could go either way. Right. Uh, and so at the start of any project, especially if it's a, a relationship that hasn't been established yet between a PM and a client service um, team member, um, I have a gray sheet and I make them fill it out. It's a literal piece of paper that they have to fill in like a, like a test. Okay. Um, oh, okay. And, uh, all of those things that could go either way are along the side. And then there are bubbles to fill in for if the PM is going to own that thing or the client service person is going to own that thing. And they have to start the project, uh, by filling it out. They and do it clarifying independently roles. and compare or they do it together. Oh, I've never seen that, but that's a great idea. Um, <laughs> no, uh, it's typically an hour long gray sheet meeting, okay, um, at the start of the project to sit down and talk through all of them, talk through why the account person likes to talk through status reports. Like, why is that important to you? Why is it important to me? And then decide who is actually going to be there or is it a shared responsibility? Um, and we'll do that for things like, uh, status meetings, right? Um, things like uh, invoicing, right? That's mm-hmm. one that sometimes goes either mm-hmm. way. Um, who's, who's responsible for that? Discussions about budget. Um, who should be in those meetings? Uh, and so any of those things that could go either way, um, the, the teams talk through it together. I like that. And that could be a whole another session. I'm not familiar with that practice, but it sounds like a wonderful idea. <laughs> <laughs> and... I think it's actually a good segue into 
just the section I've titled the juicy stuff, um, which is that like it or not, like the project manager role is a role that can actually cause a lot of strife across client relationships. Um, we've talked about things like sometimes a client doesn't think it's necessary, like I don't want to pay for a project manager. Sometimes it's used as a bargaining chip. Um, arguably, I would say that the right project manager, and we've been talking about this all along the way, the right person can be, you know, the wind at the project sails, but the wrong person could actually be just that like anchor weight yeah. that prevents like an account or a project from thriving. Um, so, I mean, some of these things like the gray sheet is about, you know, how to find the, the clearest path forward. But w what are some of the like most common challenges that you see your teams facing when it comes to sort of managing clients and like delivering value? Yeah. Um, so a lot of times clients who uh, don't see the value in a project manager role or think that it's overhead um, or say, I'm not going to pay for that, right? Mm -hmm. uh, they have either been burned or they haven't seen what a strong project manager can do. Right. Uh, and so we prove it early. Um, okay. So things like the kickoff meeting, right? Traditional kickoff meetings. Um, let's clarify scope. Let's clarify budget. Let's mm -hmm. talk through roles. Um, let's talk about priorities, right? Uh, and then let's establish our meeting cadence, right? Mm -hmm. It's very box checky. Right. Um, we like to shift those a little bit. Um, I've even, because you know ahead of time before you kick off if the client is on board with project management or if they need a little right. bit of selling, right? Um, I've even separated that stuff before and had a separate logistics meeting. And the right. kickoff is about, let's talk about the things that, uh, how, let's talk about how we got here. How did conversations start in your organization about building this thing? Why is it important? What problem are we trying to solve? Um, why, why is this important to your customers? Uh, now let's talk about priorities. Um, you just told me these things that are important to your customers and these things that are important to the business. If we're ever in a situation where we need to choose one, how do we want to go about that, right? Mm -hmm. um, let's, let's establish how we're going to collaborate together. And the kickoff meeting becomes... Trust me, I promise, right? right? <laughs> uh, like, I, 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 I am here for you. I am your advocate. You can trust me to lead us through this. And then we'll hold a separate logistics meeting um, and in the kickoff meeting say, okay, I'm going to schedule 30 minutes with you just one-on-one -on -one to check off some of the logistics stuff, right? Um, and I'll even tell them because that's the other side of my job. Right. Uh, this side of my job is to make sure that we are building the right thing at the right time as efficiently as possible. The other side of my job is scope, timeline, budget. Uh, so let's have another meeting to talk about that stuff. Uh, but this is more important right now. I love that and two sides of the job. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it, it, like I'll, I'll tell them as transparently as that, that that's only a little piece, right? Because a lot of times uh, if they've been burned in the past, it's because their PM was only focused on the iron triangle. Right. And then they got something that was completely wrong or the designs were crap. Or we didn't resolve our technical debt at the end because we didn't have the budget to do it. Nobody told them. Um, and uh, so if they've been burned by project managers before, it's because they didn't have a project leader. They had a project coordinator. Mm -hmm. And um, so we, we want to show them what it feels like to be led. I really like that. And I, I imagine that... I mean, some of the things we're talking about, like the gray sheet and kind of, you know, what we know about a client or an account or a project beforehand. 
Um, what about even before that? Like, how, how do you go about pairing the right project manager to you know the right client? And like, what are some of the things that factor into your decision? Yeah, yeah I mean, I'm not going to lie. Some of it is who has capacity, right? right? <laughs> um, who who has the availability to take on a 20 hour a week project? Like, that's that's a huge piece of it. But um, sometimes we can't map the perfect person to the right client. Um, sometimes we can't move mountains to get the right personality fit and the person who's done a hundred mobile projects onto right. this healthcare mobile app, right? Um, it, sometimes we can't do it um, because ideally we would match industry, we would match personalities, mm-hmm. we would match technology types, right? Um, we would, uh, if, if it's a client who's been um, burned in the past or doesn't see the value in PMs, we'll give them a more senior one, mm-hmm. uh, somebody who really focuses on product um, or really focuses on value. Um, and uh, it just like, so we'll pair like that. That's how I write like a number of different things. But sometimes you can't do that. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's everybody's full. I have this one person who could step in tomorrow. I'm not going to transition 92 things and play Project right. Tetris. Right. Um, and then it's all about uh, support. Yeah. Uh, making sure that both the client and uh, the PM feel supported and have what they need to be successful. So I might be more involved then um, and get to know the client a little bit better and then start to step back when that trust is built. But I like that, though, that the, like, the, the thread of steel throughout this has been like arming your team with the skills. Like, like you said, um, okay, maybe I can't train you to run towards a fire. Um, that's something that I might want to yeah. evaluate when I'm hiring you. But once you're in... We're going to do these things. We're going to work on, you know, you're going to go through like product manager training. We're going to talk about, you know, personality types and how to navigate relationships and build relationships. Mm-hmm. And it strikes me that as I asked that question, I was like, it sounds to me like you've built a team where no one is going to come to you and be like, Pam, like, I don't feel comfortable running a kickoff meeting where I'm like a product person. You know, like, I don't think I'm the right fit. It sounds yeah. to me like they'd say, Okay, I'll put on you know the the product hat that I've learned by being a part of this team, um, and and yeah, challenge challenge yeah. accepted. Let's go. Yeah, well, a huge. Um, so when we talk about not running toward the fire, right, and we talk about people like kind of staying on the sidelines, uh, what I've seen in leading teams is that most of that isn't because they don't want to. Mm-hmm. Most of it isn't because they don't have it in them. Um, Project managers, myself included, we all suffer from imposter syndrome. Uh, we're, we're not developers. We're not designers. We're not analysts. Um, we don't work for the client. Uh, we don't really, like, we're not account people. We don't understand the whole client landscape. Um, we don't know how to do QA. We try. We try, right? Like, we, <laughs> we're really annoying about, like, hey, guys. Guys, I, I found a thing. Um, but we've never done any of those jobs. Uh, but for some reason, we have to be the glue between all of them, right? right? And um, that is, especially for more junior PMs, it's very, very uncomfortable mm-hmm. to step into a meeting of people where you don't actually know what they do, right? Um, I have never written a line of code in my life. My eight-year-old has written more code than I have. Um <laughs> But I still have to walk into a room of developers and help them through their problems that relate to something I don't know how to do. Um, and that's, it's really intimidating. Uh, and so helping PMs understand, like, no, you do have a right to be there. Mm. 
you, you, it's, they're looking to you to show up. Uh, they need you to run toward them and help them through their problems. Um, because while you don't write code and you don't know how to use sketch and you don't write, like while you don't do these things, um, what you do have is flawless organization and attention to detail that they don't interpersonal skills. Um, but more than anything, you see everything. Mm-hmm. You know where everything is, and that's the missing piece. That's the value to your team is the view that you have of everything else going on. Um, you are this. This is a terrible analogy, but like project managers are puppet masters, right? Like they've got everything, um, and like I'm going to move these legs over here. I'm going to uh, I'm going to move these legs over here, like this this puppet over here, and then I'm going to move this one, and then they're all going to do a little dance over here together. And uh, the puppets don't see where the other puppets are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, only we do. And so if something is going wrong on the development team, um, we see the solution. And we know how to get them out of it. They don't in most cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, but PMs don't feel like we have the right to go in and help them through it. I and that's that wrong. I mean, it's like, come back to that bridge analogy, right? If you're a bridge, you're not, you're on neither side, right? You're neither on the client side nor mm-hmm. on the team side. You don't know what's going on, like, in detail, in, in the yeah. trenches on, on either side. But, hey, you, you stand on the top of that bridge, you can see for miles. Yeah. Well, so. the other analogy that I used um, at AIM for a while, too, when I was explaining what project management is, um, all of the other disciplines kind of live on islands, right? You've got developer island. You've got data island um and we live in boats um we don't we don't have an island uh and so we we get to go from data island to dev island to design island to client island um and we bring bananas from one to the other island that has no food uh and then we bring whatever resource they have and bring it somewhere else right like we we are the boats that make sure that all of the islands can thrive um but, like, I, I don't live on Developer Island. Why should I go to Developer Island? Um, we need to get over it and go to Developer Island. And, and see the value of being yes. in a boat. Because when they're starving and you show up with the bananas from da- Data Island, like, I promise you will be welcomed. <laughs> that is fair. That is fair. Uh, I wonder if we can talk a little bit about you know, the, like the tough situations. Um, you and I, we've talked about this in the past, you know, um, that moment where a client comes to you as an escalation and says, this is not working. The PM mm-hmm. that I have on this project, I want to, I want to, I want to trade them out. I want to swap. I want a new PM. Um, and it, it, it seems to happen more often than one might expect actually, which also kind of highlights the importance of, of demonstrating the value as a, as a project manager to your mm-hmm. clients, to your stakeholders. But how do you go about addressing a situation like that? Like when someone yeah. on the client comes to you and was like, I want a different PM, this isn't working out. How do you, how do you start addressing that? Yeah. Um, I ask why, uh, and I dive in. Um, sometimes it's a personality clash. Sometimes uh, the client um, thinks that something wrong and then it, it isn't really wrong. Um, sometimes the RPM really has dropped the ball. Either they're overloaded or they didn't know how to do something, didn't ask, or they just messed up, right? We're humans. Um, but I figure out kind of what the root problem is. Um, and then we'll figure out a plan from there. If it's really a, if it's a personality clash, uh, I, I might make a change because of that. Um, 
that's not something I'm going to ask anybody to change. I'm not going to ask a client to work with somebody that they just don't like. And I'm not going to ask a PM to try to build trust with someone who just isn't going to get along with them. Right. Uh, that's not putting either of them in a situation that's fair. Uh, we might figure out kind of what those personality things are that are rubbing them the wrong way, right? right. Are they too right. blunt? Are they, um, <laughs> right? Uh, are they not blunt enough? Uh, right. And then we'll work through some of those things separately. But if that trust is already broken, let's not try to rebuild it. Um, but if they're not getting status reports, if they're, uh, like things like that, um, I don't like to make switches like that. Um, I want to, I want to earn their trust back. Um, and so then I might get more involved or, uh, I might clear other projects off of that PM's plate and have them right. only focus on this one instead of transitioning, right? Like show right. them what it feels like to have uh, the client, what it feels like to have a dedicated PM, mm -hmm. um, so I, in situations where we've broken trust because of performance, I like to earn that back. Uh, right. In situations where we've broken trust because of personality clashes, um, that, sh that ship has sailed. Uh, we'll get you a new PM. I like this sort of like notion that keeps coming up of the things that are easy to change and the things that are very difficult to change. And yeah. as humans, like, we need to recognize what those are. Like that you can be a personality type three and sort of stretch and work with other, you know, other, other yeah. different types of personalities. But yeah. you might not overnight become a nine. Like, it's not like, right. okay, tomorrow, come back on Monday and be a nine and don't be a three anymore. No more achieving, okay? Um, yeah. Be a completely different person. Uh, and even what you're saying about, uh, you know, you can't overnight just become somebody who runs towards a fire. Like, that right. is, there's this core thing. And it doesn't mean that someone can't become that over time. So anyone listening, uh, I think I, I, I would hazard to say, you could develop that instinct to run towards a fire and be a firefighter, um, but it won't yeah. happen overnight. And it's, it's yeah. more core than just a thing that you think about and do on a day-to-day -day basis. Right. Well, and you need to be a sponge. Um, the people mm. who do instinctively put on their fire hats and run, watch them. Watch when they take out their hat. Watch how they run in. Um, watch what their team does when the PM gets there with their hose, right? Right. Um, see see what it's like to be a firefighter and watch other people do it right because it's not um it is an art firefighting um and nobody needs like miley cyrus coming in on her wrecking ball <laughs> when things are on fire right you need you need a delicate touch and you need to like build back uh and so um it, it is really easy especially for people who are saying like trying to grow into that to just say i'm i'm here let me at it mm -hmm. uh that's not what people need and actually um, people need a, a leader yeah, and people uh, think of firefighting. When you say the word firefighting, a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, douse it with water, you know, just get the big hose right. out, do whatever it takes to put out that fire, but it's not. Yes. It's actually a delicate art that requires yes. leadership, good instinct, and judgment. Yes. Um, it's not just taking a hose out, connecting it to the hydrant, and going for broke. Right, um, right. That. Exactly. Um, I wonder if we could talk about the impact of when things go really well. So, we, uh, you know, we've kind of been navigating, like, challenges and how to deliver value but i think taking a step back just from a client services perspective like mm -hmm. as a consultancy or as an agency um like what does it look like what impact can a good project manager have on like that broader client relationship oh so much um i i mean we can so the broader client relationship, we, we can maintain it, we can grow it, we can, I mean, if it's stable, we're doing our job. Um, and, uh, but that trust piece, right? 
I, the last project or the last program that I led myself or that I project managed was back in 2018. Um, and, uh, it, it, it was one of those projects. It was a $6 million project, something like that. Um, but it was one of those projects where they were looking to us to tell them what was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we had to earn that trust. They didn't come in first saying, and you guys get to be the experts now, right? right. No, we were there to build a product. Uh, but we had built up the trust that by the end of this, um, by the end of the project, when we were getting ready to launch, it was uh, for an event. And so it was kind of time box, and we only had right. so much time because we needed to have an iOS app and an Android app and the entire uh conference experience site launched by a a specific date. Otherwise, we didn't have an app for the conference. Um, And uh, by the end of it, I was going through Jira, and I would call the client, and I would say, I just moved uh, seven tickets into uh, back into the backlog. We're not going to do it. Here are my reasons why. And they said, cool. Um, (laughs) I I just pulled this enhancement. We're not going to have time because this thing is more important. Cool. because I understood the product. Mm-hmm. I understood what was important, right? Um, and I also understood which of the things that we thought were stupid were really important to them, right? right. Uh, so one of their requests, for example, was we need all of, the, uh, all of the speaker images for this conference to be black and white. They're currently color. We need all of them mm-hmm. to be black and white. Um, that feels really dumb to the team, right? Like, go to your developers and tell them to change all of the pictures to black and white. <laughs> when they're drowning in bugs. Um, but it, it was really important to them. Uh, and so um, that's how we kind of built that trust. Now, because of that, that account grew from, uh, it started as a half a million dollar account. And by the time I left, it was like 10, 12 million, something like wow. that, because of one project. Um, because word spreads, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and building trust with clients when you look at project management as project leadership instead of management the account gets bigger the clients are happier your account team is happier um your developers are happier and the quality of the product is better um it's it impacts everything bad project management is i mean i i don't know it's i'm i'm dramatic about it now right like without a without a good pm nothing is good (laughs) <laughs> well, I mean, you, know, you hit on so many things there in terms of like how trust is built. And mm-hmm. some people will think that building a relationship is just telling the client everything they want to hear, but it's not. No. I, like you just described this balance of like, okay, my team thinks it's stupid, but the client thinks it's important. So there's, you know, there's something to be said there. But also, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell them that I'm putting things back into the backlog and I'm going to, yep. you know, like give them a good reason. Um, and that's that sort of type of judgment and leadership that is demonstrable, right? Like they see mm-hmm. it, people see it. It's not like this invisible work of, yeah. you know, managing the iron triangle, which in some cases is very invis- invisible and your team might, right. you might not even know what you do. But when you're doing things yeah. like that, t- the team knows what you're doing. The client knows what you're doing. Everyone's yes. seeing the impact it's having. We, um, that was also the project where I came up with um, the chips analogy. God, I have so many analogies. <laughs> So many. No, but uh, this is another example, though, of a way that you can talk to the client about the value that you provide, right? Um, so in, in that project, um, I told the client, like, there is a deadline for this, right? Uh, so I said, we have a finite number of things that we can do. Um, 
And so every time you ask for something, I need you to give me one of your poker chips, right? We're starting with equal chips or you start with all the chips, however you want to think about it, right? Every time you ask me for something new, give me a chip. And at some point I need to cash them all in. At some point I'm going to say, we're done here. Take them all back. I can't do any more for you. Um, but I'll fit things in and I'm going to take your chips and I'm going to ask the team to do extra as long as we have capacity. But when I sit you down, because I will at some point and say, I'm cashing in my chips, you have to stop asking for things. Hmm. You have to be okay with it. Um, and when that day came where I said, okay, here it is. This is it. like, this is the conversation that I warned you about. I need to give you all your chips back. Uh, I, I need to cash in all of my chips. We're not doing this giant feature. He said, okay. You told me this was coming. I wish it wasn't that thing, but I'm good. Um, and like prepping them for this is, this is a balance. Like we have a mm -hmm. finite number of things that we can do or a finite uh, budget that we can spend or a finite amount of time to do things. And I think that's like, I love that sort of managing expectations through relatable analogies, right? But, you know, I think a lot of people, again, it's one of those things where people think managing expectations is telling somebody that they're not getting something all the, like yeah. basically all the time, but it's not. It's actually about explaining the mechanics of how this dynamic works. How does the machine mm -hmm. work? Here's how the machine works. Um, and this is going to happen. And when it happens, you're like, okay, this is how the machine works. And your yep. client was okay with it because it wasn't the expectation of this feature. You're not going to get it. It was the expectation of at some point there's going to be something where you have to stop asking because it won't yes. fit in, you know, the time or the, you know, the, the budget or whatever box right. that we have. Or we've fit, asked for too much, and now mm -hmm. we need to cut something else. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I like that mechanism of, of, of expectation management. I was going to say control, but really expectation well, management. Well, and that's a lot of, right. Um, again, like going back to what we were talking about earlier with um, PMs who, or clients who don't trust PMs or don't see the value in PMs, mm -hmm. um, they, they need a little bit of like understanding how the sausage is made, right? Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times, to your point, uh, when they've been told no before, it came out of nowhere. It was a thing that they thought we had time for. We're removing scope. Um, but they don't know how we got to that point. They don't know what impacted this. Um, for all they know, we just totally screwed up and spent way too much time on other things. Mm -hmm. That's not usually what happens in the background, right? There are trade-offs. The clients asked for things. Um, the design team slipped stuff in. Like Things have, uh, th things have happened in the background. Um, and they don't have that full picture. So showing them how the sausage is made a little bit, right? And saying, hey, this one thing took a little bit longer, but also you asked for these four things. Let's decide what we're going to do here. Are these really important? Are you willing to maybe sacrifice stuff down the road? Like, give me a chip. Mm -hmm. And I love that. Uh, the thing you mentioned earlier that I thought was really key and really resonated with me was just this notion of like technical debt that might sting mm -hmm. the relationship later because nobody told them. Nobody told them how yes. this works. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think um I think transparency is key, right? So uh yeah, understanding or helping the client see why why you're being the bad guy when you're being the bad guy. Um technical debt is a great example of that. I when I left um when I left my last role in consulting, I said I'm going back to agencies and they were like, Why? <laughs> uh and because um they had gotten so many projects when, when I was at AIMS, so many of our projects that came in were rescue projects that were done by agencies who weren't fully transparent about right. um, 
hard coding things that shouldn't have been hard coded for the sake right. of time, and, right? And so then uh, we were getting a lot of projects asking to fix it. Um, and uh, that, that hurts. That hurts in my soul that uh, there are projects like that out there um, because there are absolutely times when you maybe need to hard code something to get it out the door in order to hit a timeline that is immovable, mm -hmm. right? But the client needs to know that. Um, you need to tell them that this is the thing that we're going to do because you've told me that timeline is more important. We need to go back and fix it later. Um, or this is a, this is a thing that's going to be present if you don't want to fix it. And then here's the impact of that a year down the road. Um, they need to know those things. No surprises. No surprises. No surprises. No surprises might be the title of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, last question. If there's anyone kind of like struggling to advocate for the value that they're bringing to the table as a digital project manager, like what, what advice would you give them? Um, I, I mean, we kind of touched on this earlier, but the same way that we, um, that we prove it to clients, right? You have two jobs. You, you have the job of managing scope timeline budget uh, and making sure that the iron triangle is taken care of. Um, but you also have the job of making sure that we're doing the right thing for the client, um, making sure that we're actually providing value to their business and their customers, um, making sure that you're teams are happy, healthy, and taken care of, that they understand the value that you're providing. Um, talk to people about your two jobs. Uh, it's okay, like what you said earlier about, um, the, like I think you said, not to toot our own horn. It's okay to toot our own horn. It's, it's okay for us to say, yeah, I do that stuff, but I do it in my sleep. Mm -hmm. This is the stuff that I'm actually doing to provide value and to make sure that we get this out the door and that quality is there and that our clients are happy, right? Um, if everybody, if, if we get across the finish line of a project and we've gotten the entire scope of work done, we hit the budget and we got it done before the timeline, but everybody's bloody and bruised and hates each other, like that's, that's not success. We didn't win. Um, you didn't actually do your job. Like you managed the iron triangle. Uh, you also lost a client and everybody you work with hates you. So. Um, that's, that's not all we do. And it's okay to say, I am the glue, right? I, I live in the boat that travels between all of your islands and I make sure that you all have what you need. So use me, tell me when you need something because I can't, I'm not a mind reader, but I want to help you in any way that I can. Um, talk about it, right? We all know that that's not all we do. It's okay to tell people that. Boom. I love that. Boom. <laughs> there, there, there you have it uh, <laughs> awesome listen Pam thanks so much for coming and having this conversation with us uh, I literally learn something every time you open your mouth it's great having you on the DPM experts team uh, and oh, there's just such a wealth of information and knowledge in that brain of yours uh, and I think there's like three other episodes we should do based on some of the things you mentioned in this episode. So anyway, sign just, me up. <laughs> there you go. We're gonna do this. We're gonna make it a Pam series. Oh boy, oh. I'm so sorry, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it'll be a hit. Awesome. Oh, Anyways, boy. thanks again. Right. This has been a lot of fun, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll do it Thank again you. sometime. Yeah, thanks for having me on. This was great. Very cool. Awesome. 
So what do you think? Is it fair for digital project managers to be expected to go above and beyond their responsibility to the iron triangle of scope, timeline, and budget in order to have recognizable value? Or is that just how it's always been? Tell us a story. Have you ever had a client who tried to take you off of a project? Has your ability to build trust with stakeholders ever saved a client relationship? And if you want to hone your skills as a strategic project leader, come and join our tribe. Head over to thedigitalprojectmanager.com membership to get access to a supportive community that shares knowledge, solves complex challenges, and shapes the future of our craft together. From robust templates and monthly training sessions that save you time and energy, to peer support offered through our discussion forum, community events, and mastermind groups, being a member of our tribe means having over a thousand people in your corner as you navigate your career in digital delivery. And if you like what you heard today, please subscribe and stay in touch on thedigitalprojectmanager.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.